Hi, Austin. Hey, Johnny. How's Happy it going? Happy 2019. <laughs> yeah, yeah. New year, all that. Um, you went somewhere between now and last time we talked, right? Have I talked? Have we talked since I went to India? You can I mean, we glossed over India. It might be worth mentioning. Oh, it was nice. I ate lots of food. I didn't get the shits, so that's good. That is good. <laughs> that is good. Last time I went, I was stuck in a hotel room for two days with Delhi Belly. It was less than fun. Sounds terrible. Was uh, your last pod with Jason uh, pre or post India? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I think that was post India. That was post India. But but I have I've you know this is confession time. I have not been good at keeping up with podcasting over the Christmas period, and I'm sure we'll get get to to why at some point. But I've had a bit of a a, a fallow couple of months. Maybe I'll just call them series. So this, the first series was in the autumn of 2018, and this is the first podcast of the second series. All right. Well, Although it's... I, it's actually not the first podcast I've recorded this year, but uh, I interviewed a chap called Kevin Goldsmith, who was at Spotify when they rolled out Squads and Tribes, and it was a super interesting interview. So I've got that one in the can as well. All I right. need to sit down and do the edit. Talking to people is really fun and uh, enjoyable. I love the recording bit of podcasting, but the editing bit is not so fun, which so, is why I now understand why people are like, hey, can you go on my Patreon so that you can give me $5 a month so that I can pay for editing of the podcast to keep it going out? Because it is just such a, it's one of those tasks that just hangs over you. I think partly because I don't really like listening to my own voice. So it's not just two or three hours of sitting doing audio record uh, audio editing when you've got other things to do it's also you have to do audio editing listening to yourself which is doubly painful yeah so. i mean true true confessions i have not listened to any of the podcasts that i've been on uh previously <laughs> i would find it really painful I, I mean also redundant since i was there but uh but do you do you re-listen like to any of these podcasts or do you just kind of push them out and no, by the time they go out, I've listened to them a few times. Actually, what what that means is a couple of them, I, I, I've started listening to the first sort of 15 minutes just to make sure that the levels are, are right because the, I think episode two or three, I sent it out. And luckily you can update the audio file on the, on the podcast, but it was way too quiet. Like I could barely even hear anything. Um, so for the first couple of hours... It was completely pointless. And it was only because I happened to listen to the first 10 minutes just to make sure that it kind of went out. Um, so now, I, yeah, I do listen, one last listen, just to make sure that live through a different podcast player to the one that we used to actually make it. Um, I have a listen and just make sure that it's real. Got it. I've also listened to some fairly big podcasts that have like just the ten, last 10 minutes was silent and stuff. So it's, you know, there's lots of opportunity for screw ups and it's really hard to know that that's happened. Yeah. If anyone listens to one of the progression podcasts and there's some audio snafu or something that's clearly a mistake, just send me an email so that I can fix it because otherwise it'll silently fail and just be embarrassing for me and no one will tell me. A podcast falls in a forest kind of thing. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, cool, man. I mean, there has to be some sort of aftermarket of 
editors who you can outsource this to with the kind of explosion of podcasts. I imagine, uh, I imagine they're for out sure, there. For sure. Like there's, it's, it's like, it's commoditized. Like you can, I think you can probably get it done for like a hundred dollars per hour of audio or something like that. I'm sure if you went on Fiverr or one of those services, you find someone who will just do it for, for even cheaper than that. But yeah, I think I'm nearly at the point where I'm, I'm up for doing that. Okay. I think the first few, it was nice to do it myself to kind of understand what it was, but um, yeah, <laughs> I don't need to know that anymore. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, aside from the meta conversation of talking about podcasts on a podcast, uh, what what's yeah. on your mind for, for today, for the kind of first, or I guess, second conversation of the year? <laughs> well, the first conversation that people listen to. Okay. Well, so quite a lot has happened in the last couple of months. Lots of interesting things. Um, and I think the Jason Masoot podcast went out while that was happening, but it was obviously, it was a conversation about Jason's work. So uh, maybe less of a, an update on what I'm up to. So yeah, happy to update on what's been going on. One one of these things is something that we're working on together. So we should talk about that. We should talk about that. Yeah. So uh, for everyone listening out there, we've got a, a workshop on... February 14th. It's easy to remember the day. Valentine's Day. Day. It's Valentine's Day. Super romantic workshop. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I mean, completely not intentional. It was just actually the only day that worked between, I think, your stag do obligations and my, (laughs) like, my travel, weird travel schedule next month. Um, So, yeah, just happenstance. But, yeah, I think it should be a good one. It's going to be all day uh, at General Assembly. So, it's going to be like a, what is it, 10 to 5? That's, that's all day, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, I we've, we've got the format. I think at this point, it's all about kind of building out the nitty gritty stuff. I mean, you've run some workshops. So like what around career progression? I mean, what have you learned from run, running these types of things? What can we, what should we kind of start doing, stop doing, keep doing like a mini retro yeah. when it comes to these things? Yeah, so uh, I've I've run a version of this workshop a few times now with different teams, teams of uh, all internal teams. So this is the first time I will have run it with a group of kind of disparate designers from across the uh, spectrum of Lon- the London design community. Presumably that's what it will be. And yeah. it won't just be block booked by one company. Um, <laughs> but in, in running it, the, the kind of... Um, it's a slightly different format, the one I've run so far. But what's been really interesting to see as part of this process is actually mainly it's incredibly cathartic for people to just have some time to spend thinking about themselves and their own skills and kind of allowing themselves to be maybe a little bit selfish. Uh, there's always, especially in startup and tech, there's all, you walk in and there's this kind of company mission and everyone is you know bleeding the company color and and we're all in it together one team one dream and there's the thing that we're shipping next and everyone's running in the same direction and all this kind of stuff and often that hustle and that rush means that there isn't that much space for people to just take a step back and think what do I enjoy about my job and what do I not enjoy Uh, so kind of carving out that time for people to just have a think about what they love 
um, which parts of their job they enjoy, what a good day looks like and um, what the skills are that they feel are specialisms for them and they're really confident in versus the skills where they wouldn't honestly say they would feel very confident using. Um, what's been interesting also is is I've been running this with teams internally and there's there's obviously you're sitting next to your peers so there's a certain level of I don't really want to kind of show all my cards. There may be something that I might um, keep close to my chest because it's a little bit too embarrassing to share or it may may make me look bad in a future meeting you know that you're not operating in a vacuum whereas hopefully a workshop which is ticketed and and you're with strangers and you've got nothing to lose will be even more open and people having honest conversations about what they enjoy and what they don't and what the struggles are at work yeah i think the difference between running something internally at a company and something uh, that's just kind of individual sign up. Um, the dynamic is definitely different from my experience. Um, I do wonder, like within a within a business, you know, essentially you're paid to be an expert, right? Someone's paying you to know something, presumably, uh, when you work at a business. And um, I mean, some cultures have, you know radical transparency baked in where you can say, I don't know, some cultures don't have that. Um, but yeah, I mean, whenever you do something introspective, there's, you know, reflecting on your career yourself or whatever, there's always that danger that like you, you look inside yourself and you're not like actually that stoked about <laughs> like what you see, yeah. whether it's something personal or professional or whatever. Uh, and so, I mean, do you feel like people in these kind of uh, in-house company training workshops, do you feel like people have been able to get to like a vulnerable place? Do people seem guarded or like what's your experience so far? It definitely breaks down barriers between people that, that so for example, one of the exercises that I run is um, identifying things that you're particularly proud of. And that can be at your job or within your career or it can be in your personal life. So people end up telling stories about performing in theatre productions or um, moving from a different country and taking a big risk and it paying off. And that's why they're working at that company now. Uh, and and actually, you, you get these kind of groups of people already sharing these kind of sharing circles. So there's there's stuff within that, which I think almost definitely helps with kind of team unity. But then actually, the main takeaway is a very personal one. So you fill in worksheets as part of, the, you know, as part of going through these these exercises and you end up with uh, effectively a, I suppose what I've called a progression canvas uh, where you filled in some strengths and some weaknesses and some something that you can help someone else with and something that someone else in the team can help you with uh, and that's all being formed through exercises that we've done together and identifying your own strengths and weaknesses and where you really want to grow and what you really enjoy at work so the challenge with running any of these kind of workshops, I think is, is the, the, and what the, okay, so I've left the workshop and I'm back at work and it's, you know, back to hectic, busy time. What can I take with me? Um, and what can I action off the back of it? And that's the bit that I don't see at the moment. So, and, and, you know, that's the, that's the purpose of the, the product that, that I'm building is hopefully the, and what then kind of follows on very gracefully. But I do get the impression that people, find value in in the process and uh, learn something about themselves and definitely learn something about themselves as a delta to other people in the team so there's 
you know, you stick your profile up on the wall and you look at other people's and you can point at how they're different to you, which is often kind of revealing for people. Yeah, no, totally. So, Has anyone had like an existential crisis? Like, I, like, what am I doing here? Who am I type thing? Or uh, <laughs> if are... they have, if they have, then they haven't uh, made it clear in front of their boss. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So they may be, okay. So maybe that's a like meditation they had afterwards on the weekend. Um, okay. I mean, actually I have had something kind of like that happen. Um, I talk about teaching and facilitating. It's really important to push people to the edge, but not over. So if that's with the technical skill, it's kind of, you know, and everyone has a different kind of edge, so to speak. So, you, you know, you can't uh, universally push people in the same direction or to the same degree or with the same force. Um, you can kind of gauge like who's enjoying it, like who's, you know, enjoying that type of stress, who is not reacting positively to it. Um, but I do think that with these introspective ones, uh, like with the technical one, it's quite easy to tell if someone's like having, if struggling, having a tough time, if they're getting frustrated, like whatever. But the ones where people are actually just thinking about their career, there is a distinct possibility that like after the workshop, they, they keep thinking about this, you know, or like they, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, I mean, if it's a technical thing, you're like, you know, you're, you're designing something, you're building something. I mean, once you're, you're off for the weekend, and you're going to your yoga class or whatever you do on the weekends or brunch, like you're not thinking about it. But if it's an actual kind of who am I, what am I doing, what do I want to do, how do I want to spend my days, these are things yeah. that kind of bleed into, uh, I mean, that are kind of hard to suppress. And so I've seen, uh, I have had that happen like a couple times. Sometimes it was the point and sometimes I was hired by a company. And so it's kind of like, was that a positive outcome? Like, I mean, someone learned something about themselves. So, what if it's not what you wanted them to learn? Or like, right, right. If your if your goal is only retain all the people all the time, um, even if they're not happy or, or they're not necessarily performing at their best level, then then there is a risk for sure. There's there's a risk to that. I I mean, my opinion is very much. Some people will have the true existential crisis of like. I need to be a spoon whittler or I need to go off and be a ski instructor or, or I need to go and completely change my entire career because I just don't care about the world of design or the world of or the discipline that I'm in. But anything short of that, the first action really should be have a conversation with someone who can change, whether it's changed the work you're doing day to day or changed a relationship you have with someone that you're struggling with or, or whatever it is there should there should be an internal way out of things that you don't enjoy doing or or things that are troubling you um and i would always say that is the, because the the path of least resistance is to stick around uh and for some people it's not the right move to stick around at a company but for most people there is almost definitely a way to improve things which will if not completely solve their problems, at least ease the pain of, of something they may be feeling. So I would hope that because it's a, an inclusive environment and um, people coming together and working together on stuff, it engenders enough trust that people will be able to say, look, out of that workshop, I realised something about myself and I want to talk to you, my manager, about it so that we can see if we can solve it, rather than um, we need to chat for five minutes because i'm handing in my notice <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. Um, yeah for sure and, and and i do think that 
you know, focusing on what can you do tomorrow or next week or next month um, in your role is, you know, having that focus is probably the way to go. Um, People can obviously go bigger and broader and think more holistically about themselves and their career. But I do think the real power is thinking about kind of tiny habits and little systems, you know, not so Mm -hmm. much like huge goals, like by this time next year, I want to do this. It's like, what system can you put into place next week? You know, can you like set an auto email so you get like a new keyboard shortcut every morning? Like, can can you just do like, (laughs) can you do something like that small that actually compounded over time is going to, you know, make you 80 times faster with this particular piece of software? Like something like that, like I think is so underestimated in businesses. I see a lot of times when we're talking about running education programs at companies, they want to have this, you know, massive transformation. And you're like, honestly, and sometimes I think like, wow, I mean, honestly, if everyone just like learned how to use their email client, like, like properly, <laughs> like, like, yeah. like we just spend a few hours like that, that arguably might have a bigger impact than like teaching design thinking and trying to drive this like cross company transformational, you know, change. So I think, you know, when it comes to career progression, it's like, what can you do next week? Like, is there something really yeah. small, uh, that, yeah. that, that will have, you know, some compound interest, um, for your skill set, for your career, that kind of thing. People find themselves in mental traps where they assume that nothing can change as well. Mm-hmm. I think. And, and a lot of those there's, there's for sure kind of, uh, tooling and, and finding efficiency in, in that, in that stuff. But, uh, there's this halo and horns effect that I find fascinating and definitely have exhibited myself. Um, and as soon as you learn about it, I find I spot it everywhere, which is within hours, minutes of meeting someone, you've put them in a box. And that may be uh, a box of being competent or incompetent. It may be a box of being uh, attractive or unattractive, you know, on, a, on the, the, the shallowest level. Um and as soon as you've put them in that box, it's very hard mentally to move them to a different one. And that is true of everyone. You know, your first impressions are super important, whether that's of your manager or, or of someone on your team or uh, of a company at large. So people just think, well, the only way to change my fortunes is to kind of ditch it all and start again. And they they would rather change to a different company and go through a few stressful weeks of upskilling at that new company, meeting a whole new bunch of people, they'd rather do that than ask one question of to their manager, <laughs> you know, which which would solve the one thing that they're more pissed off about than anything else, which actually, if it was solved, they'd be very happy with the rest of their job. But they just assume that because things have happened in a certain way so far, that they can't possibly change it. Um, so one of the things that I think is most powerful about getting groups of teams in a room together doing something like this and actually it being run by a third party uh, an external person not by the manager importantly is you break down that power power structure of uh, the manager is running the session and it's only for the the designers and the manager won't take part because they're running it 
So, for example, every time I've run it with a team, the manager takes part and it's really important that they do that. And they'll fill in their profile along with everyone else. And all the exercises are normalised, so there's no kind of seniority uh, kind of displayed as part of these exercises. So actually the manager will stick out and, you know, their skills will be much more biased towards people management and um, leadership, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But they'll have weaknesses alongside everyone else. And the hope is that they get a view of what their team really want to learn and their team get a view of the fact that they're willing to help because the only way that these things change is there's this there's this contract between two people at a company and one person says I want to do this or I want to learn this and the other person says great I'm going to help you do that yeah um, if it if there's not both sides of that then it's someone running against the wall and then they will just leave because they're not getting the support so um, having a manager you know, or, or or the leader of the team being involved in the in the process is super important there, uh, and that hopefully breaks down some of the. Well, I've just I I assume this is all fucked, so I'm just going to leave and and then I'm going to you know leave a poor glass door review and then go off to my next company or whatever the thing is that people <laughs> do. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think as well, if managers lead with vulnerability, I mean, this is a hypothesis, but if they say, you know what, these, these are the things that, you know, sometimes I have imposter syndrome with this, or these are the challenges that I have when it comes to managing, or these are the things I don't feel confident in, or that I kind of, you know, really want to improve on. I think that, you know, that kind I know it's it, depending on the environment, the context, you know, I don't know how comfortable managers are sharing that type of information, but you know, my hypothesis is that it could lead to something pretty cool, which is the people that you're managing might also be able to empathize with your situation more. I actually think that it's really hard to manage people and have those people still like you. And it, it is hard. It, it's hard. It's a hard job. I think to do any job well is really hard. Like across all industries, I think to do anything really well is pretty difficult. And so to kind of I don't know, potentially to lead with that, or at least for them to be on the manager to be present and on the same level. Uh, yeah. I think I've seen that work out in the past. Um, I mean, those seem to be like the best cultures when there's that dynamic instead of, I, I, I've also experienced the polar opposite where managers have come in and say, hey, we've hired these external people because we have this deficiency. Um, and, and it's mm. not, and that's essentially saying like, because you have this deficiency, you know, like, yeah. They're, yeah. they're, they're kind of saying we, but it's kind of like, but I, you know, they're implicitly like not included in this we when it yeah. comes to speaking about the team deficiency. So I think having, yeah, I, I, I've seen it both ways. Um, but yeah, well, very cool. So have you, have you seen managers kind of get on the same level or be vulnerable or have it, has it been more of an yeah, observation? Sure. Yeah, role? I mean I, there's, you know, there's, there's a confirmation bias here or, or, or I'm not sure which bias, but I think I'm picking teams where the manager, but by getting involved with me, the manager is kind of self-selecting as someone who is interested in their team's welfare. So yeah, for every one of those, there's probably five more teams where the managers doesn't care or, or is too focused on managing up and, and involved in, uh, other aspects of leadership that are important but are less focused on their team's welfare so um, I've been lucky but at the same time I think that there's a huge number of people out there who do care about whether it's selfishly because they have retention goals to hit or quality goals to hit um, or whether it's 
because they really care about the people on their team. I think there's a lot of managers who will feel comfortable um, opening up. And and this, uh, borne out by really some of the best and most respected design leaders in London tech, it's not kind of, um, you know, these, these aren't two-bit companies. These are the these are some of the biggest companies in, in London and yeah. their, their leadership is really inspirational and, and kind of exceptional in that way. So very cool. yeah, it, it really excites me. It, get, it gets me all excited that there's, there's humans running teams everywhere who are, um, who really care about their team's welfare, but just don't have the tools to be able to do a good job at it. Yeah, no, totally. I think being able to support those people and, like individual makers as well, uh, is, I don't know, it's, yeah, it's pretty inspiring. I mean, that's very cool. So what, so do you enjoy running these types of workshops? Like, why do you, why do you do it? Or why, why do you want to run these <laughs> workshops? Actually? I, I never even asked that before yeah. running, deciding to run one with you. So like, wh- why do you do it? Do you enjoy it? Which parts do you enjoy? Uh, yeah. um, there's, there's a few reasons. The one reason uh, is very brass tacks, which is that, the product is not launched yet, so um, there's no steady income in my life. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. A workshop is a way for me to uh, gather data, but also um, earn a bit of money. But uh, but also, I mean, it is fantastic data. It's it's one of the best ways to for me to bootstrap kind of user research while also um, adding meaningful value to companies and and. This is something that people seem to want to buy, so I'm happy to. It's mutually beneficial, I think. Got it. But it does stress me out running the running the workshops. It, it's quite stressful. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a, <laughs> it's a. I mean, I still. I've done a lot of it, and especially with the new format. Um, it, I mean, I guess it's like a stand-up comedian. Every time they're doing like a new set it's probably just terrifying. I mean, you don't know how it's going to land, right? Like in your head, it all makes sense. Like the, you know, you have a particular goal, you've created some resources, you have a particular narrative, uh, you've, you know, figured out timings, you try to understand who's going to be in the room, which could be a challenge sometimes and like speak to them as individuals in a group. But I mean, really, it's like telling it, you know, it's like, if you're a comedian, you tell a joke. And I mean, there, there is always that danger, right? That you're, it's not going to land or you hear some crickets or like whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah. so no, I, I find it stressful. Uh, but I, I like it. Like I, I, I enjoy it once I'm in the room. I still find yeah. it weirdly, even for formats that I've run like tons of times, I practice this like really masochistic exercises of like rewriting the content over and over again. <laughs> and I don't know why I do it. It's, uh, so yeah, the prep, I honestly, on some level I enjoy, but I do find it like mildly stressful on the day. I usually enjoy it. Uh, yeah. So t- generally speaking, unless, you know, it's particularly hard work for one reason or another, but that's pretty few and far between. Um, yeah. So. I think that there's, there's a bit of adrenaline that kind of gets you through in, in my experience. And I've been kind of organizing events one shape or another for the last decade. And I've always, the people that know me that have run events with me or, or been in any way involved in the organization of them knows that I'm, I am lastminutelarry.com. So like there will be stuff that I haven't decided until it's happening and then yeah. I'll kind of piece it together, which, uh, 
for some people it's really frustrating I think but for me it's the best way for me to make decisions as late as possible and with the best information possible yeah yeah no totally I mean that's that's kind of comforting I think I wanted uh to appear really organized and like get all the content sorted like first week of the year with you um (laughs) for our workshop and then I but that was more uh just because I didn't want to be like a jerk and leave it to the last minute. So it's actually quite good yeah. to hear that that's the way you operate. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I, well, the, yeah, this is, I mean, uh, the later we leave it, the more times I'll have run bits of content to feed into it. I I, I probably, yeah, we talked in, on, in the first week of January uh, and started piecing it together and we got, we got a structure in place. Yeah. But I think we stopped at the right point. You know, we, we, we didn't fill in details because actually there's a lot more to learn and spending a bit of time with it as soon as also, as soon as you're thinking, right, I need to work out how that bit works, then you'll start absorbing more information that's related to that. So like, yeah, I've seen two or three articles, uh, that, and in fact, this morning I saw a, a framework that I thought was really interesting that I was like, mm, maybe, maybe I'll pull parts of that in. Um, yeah. and if we'd kind of decided it weeks ago, then, um, there wouldn't, maybe be so much opportunity to do that so no it's it's funny you mentioned that like i so it's funny we we spoke to give to give our listeners kind of a timeline we spoke the first week of january you had some workshop uh on some friday i think at the end of the first or second week of january and even though i had like literally nothing to do with that workshop i decided that that deadline um was more like convenient as far as like providing inspiration. So I kind of, I kind of was like, okay, like how can I help deliver this workshop? Because I found it easier than projecting out six weeks. And I was like, well, whatever I do now is going to, you know, be replicable for whatever we do. And I completely agree. After that, I was like, you know what, I'm going to leave it because now we have this like scaffolding. Uh, There's, there's like kind of high level sections. And honestly, I operate in the exact same way where now I'm kind of with that structure in mind. I'm like reading articles. I'm like, you know, listening to podcasts. I'm coming across, I'm having ideas on how to fill it in. And yeah, yeah, I think if I like brute force it six weeks out or the week before without that scaffolding, like that nuance and detail and good ideas would make it in there. Like there wouldn't be any space for them. And uh, no, so I mean that like, I got it to a point where I'm like, okay, I can let this sit for a minute. And then I'm sure like if, you know, the few days before I'm going to like have to hype, like accelerate, um, yeah. probably like fairly frantic pace, but, but that's, I'm comfortable with that. Like that's, that's, I think yeah. that's a good thing. Um, yeah. so, okay, cool. Well, that, that's good to know that, um, neither of us appear like negligent or irresponsible. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. 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 I guess, I guess so. Roughly what do you want to cover in this uh, day long workshop? Just in case anyone out there is interested or knows someone who might be interested. Yeah. Yeah. This is where we, this is where we plug it, right? Yeah. Yeah. This is it. <laughs> I'm, set, I'm setting you up, man. <laughs> uh, so the goal of the workshop is to be able to become more deliberate about how you design your design career. So the workshop is called designing your design career. Um, and it's really for anyone who is in the process of starting their design career or, or is actually a few years in and thinking, okay, I've done like two or three jobs where I've compounded some skills and I'm starting to get the hang of what the core, what it 
kind of means to be a designer but I'm not sure what to do next maybe I want to go into management maybe I don't maybe I want to move from agency land into tech maybe I don't uh, maybe I want to work in a t- in a tiny team maybe I want to work in a huge team maybe I want to call myself a product designer maybe I want to call myself a UX designer or a service designer or maybe I want to go into user research or all this kind of stuff yeah uh, is all really hard to answer in a vacuum without some form of process or, or um, methodology for getting to answers. So the goal of the day really is to, is to, it's a day for yourself. It's a day for really thinking about um, your, the things that you enjoy, the skills that you have and the skills that you want to grow and a day for getting by the end of the day to a point where you have some actions you can go away with some things to do some things to do immediately some things to do over a slightly longer period of time a sense of what you really value at work and equally how much you value work versus the rest of your life and and you know what kind of work-life balance you want to get towards not everyone is made for 16 hour days in an early stage tech company and equally not everyone is made for sitting in a great big team and kind of working on it on a component for a year so working out what what is really valuable for you so we're going to touch on all sorts of aspects around that and, and we'll do a mixture of backcasting exercises where you, you decide what people you want people to say about you on your 80th birthday, for example, um, all the way through to much more tactical stuff like uh, what are the skills that you think that you're good at right now today and which are the skills that you want to grow in the next month or year and what are some things that you would ideally say to your boss uh, if you could ask them anything without fear of repercussion. So, um, yeah. There's there's a whole mixture of things and and there should be something for everyone, um, and because it's seven hours, there's actually enough time to to spend time with it and talk to other people in the class and and compare and contrast in a way that you know isn't scary because they're also your peers or yeah. also uh, competing for the same promotion or whatever the thing is. So um, you're hopefully you should be able to be very open and honest and understand each other and uh, find people who are similar to you and people that are very different to you so that you can get a sense of who you are as well. So that's the goal. No, that sounds Um, good. I mean, and I I think is an unexpected positive outcome from these workshops when I see like individuals who come from different industries and different, uh, you know, types of businesses from like size. And, you know, like you said, you had, you know, more like product companies and you have agencies and all this stuff. Um, and within that, you have kind of the small, small agencies or these massive mega ones, like, and actually, uh, getting people like other people's perspective is really fascinating because it, it really helps people double down on what they really do enjoy and what they don't enjoy or how they enjoy working. And sometimes it depends on where you're at in your life, you know, as well, like, yeah. uh, like maybe you want like a high volume of work and you want long work weeks, you're just like hungry and you're trying to learn as much as possible, you know, that's going to be a different environment than maybe, uh, someone who's done that and they're confident in their skill set and they just want to like encounter a nice rhythm and a nice team and build something cool. Uh, so I think, you know, that's, but, but hearing from other people, I think can really help kind of crystallize your own perspective of yourself and kind of the, the wider industry. So, um, I, I've done like micro versions of this kind of baked into 
some of the design courses I've run. And I always feel like there's not enough time. Like it's kind of a little afterthought, like, hey, reflect on the course and yourself and yada, yada. And like, you know, here's this. Yeah. So I'm actually really excited to build this out and give some of these topics uh, the space they deserve. Um, yeah. Cool. Well, yeah, it should be good. The only only thing that I'm, you know, kind of freaked out about is most of the time I don't have to do the promotion. Like I'm <laughs> I like this is one of the first times where I feel responsible for like getting people there. Yeah, yeah. E- even though we have yeah. a partner, we're running it with General Assembly, like I I don't know. Like I, I I'm like, okay, you know, what channels do I use? Like what's the messaging? Like I'm kind of yeah. having to think about a little bit of a marketing uh, perspective and and you know I, I've approached like former students and if, for a few times I was like a couple times I was super awkward I was like by the way like I don't make any more money if you come I just want you to be there you know like being yeah. super awkward yeah, about yeah. It, you know <laughs> like like yeah. I just I just like you and I think it'd be cool to have you in the room and like you know or you mentioned that you were at a kind of a turning point in your career like I think this could be really useful for you so so yeah I'm having to think I think right now next couple of weeks, I'm going to need to shift gears and think about how do I get the word out? Um, cause it yeah. is something that I think is genuinely cool. So I don't have a problem yeah. marketing it. I, it's just like, yeah. uh, how to do it, like what channels, what's most effective. Also think about who actually would benefit most from this as well. So, so that's right. really the next couple of weeks. That's going to be my challenge is getting out there. I see it as a cool opportunity to connect with former students and a bunch of people in London who, you know, I haven't been able to catch up with lately since I'm based in Berlin. So, so yeah, two weeks to do that. Probably the few days before to button up like uh, all the yeah. details to kind of fill in the gaps. Um, and but I'm I'm like pretty confident it's going to be awesome. So yeah, and it's it's worth saying that, that it's limited spaces. Uh, is it twenty twenty people? Something I, like that. I think twenty five is uh, twenty five going to be the maximum. Um, so, I think, yeah, I'd be very happy with 20 just because I like 20. Uh, that's a good yeah, number. 20 is a nice number. Yeah. yeah. But I think uh, if 25 people want to show up, then they can. Yeah. Yeah. So um, this will be, this isn't a, a one-off. The goal is to keep running these and, and build some momentum behind it and see if we can really create a format that's super powerful for for people and then and then allow and open open the doors to many more people to come and do it as well so this is a kind of our our guinea pig version um so if you do if you're listening to this in a couple of weeks time and you turn up and the tickets have sold out which would be a good problem to have for us do stick around because there'll be other ones as well and you can go to uh, jams.progressionapp.com uh, to read all about the the workshop and there's a link to the tickets on there tickets ticketing all happens through ga uh, general assembly so uh, they handle all of that which means we don't even know who's turning up unless we ask presumably <laughs> we <can> ask. <laughs> yeah yeah we can ask we'll ask uh all right very cool well let, let's leave it at that have a good day man all right you too talk to you soon see ya bye